0: Welcome to The Black Madonna Speaks with me, your host, Stephanie Georgiev. Thank you so much for sharing your valuable time with me. And before we get started, I want to give a shout out and great thanks to my Patreon supporters. Your generous multi leveled support means the world to me and this podcast would not be possible without you. I also wanted everyone to know we are in the last couple of weeks to register for the In Search of Sacred Origins in Africa tour. There are two parts to this tour, one at a biodynamic farm in Windhoek, Namibia, where I will give a series of talks on the sacred origins of Africa, and the second part of the tour will be a safari visiting the incredible deserts and coastline of Namibia. There's a link in the program notes for a detailed itinerary and booking form, trip leader Sarnia Guiton's email if you have any specific questions, and a link to a promotional video for a very animated description of all aspects of this unique experience. Please note, for those of you who are not able to attend the trip in person, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you will be receiving transcripts of the talks, recordings, and copies of the PowerPoint presentations. Sorry folks, I lack the capability to give a virtual safari experience. So if you really want to enjoy such an excursion you will need to come in person and you are so welcome to do so. During my initial research on the Black Madonna so many years ago I was rather curious as to whether or not there were Black Madonnas in places other than Europe or Africa. Something I noticed back then was that these works of art really, as we would say, get around. They seem to travel across continents and oceans under all sorts of interesting situations. I cannot emphasize enough how limited the information was on the Black Madonna back then. But thankfully, and very significantly, there's been an explosion of consciousness, research, publishing, and academic focus on the Black Madonna. I now have a seemingly endless supply of information upon which to draw. This has certainly opened my eyes and awareness to the global scope of the Black Madonna as both an artistic genre, but also as a gesture of grace and love from the spiritual world. My first excursions, so to speak, for the Black Madonnas outside of Europe and the Holy Land, brought me to the Virgin of Guadalupe in Mexico. This was such an incredible subject, I actually created an entire book on the topic titled The Virgin of Guadalupe, Mysterious Messenger of Destiny which, if I'm honest, is actually more interesting to me personally than my first book, The Black Madonna Mysterious Soul Companion. Now don't get me wrong, I find everything extremely interesting, which sometimes makes it difficult to narrow down my focus. But in terms of history, spiritual evolution, the task of humanity reflected in art, Guadalupe really is quite remarkable indeed. Delving beyond the Americas, my research started to uncover numerous Black Madonnas in Central and South America, the Caribbean, as well as the Pacific Islands, and the Philippines. Thanks to my angel, using the wonders of the internet, I found this very informative blog, whose author is James Malabanan. We will be having an interview with him in the next episode of The Black Madonna Speaks, so stay tuned. The blog is called Pinakasi on Blogger and has since graduated to WordPress where it is called Pinakasi PH. To say my heart and mine were blown wide open by this blog is an understatement. You've heard me often quote, Rudolf Steiner on the spiritual purpose of art, that art is a creation of organs of perception by which the spiritual world speaks to humanity. I've also seen through various Black Madonnas an interesting reflection on culture and history as a way to understand the past and also as a graceful and hopeful counter to the more unpleasant challenges facing humanity throughout various eras. I see the Black Madonna as a religious art form, as a loving gesture to humanity that we are loved, cared for, and our potential is recognized. This episode of the Black Madonna Speaks features a very lovely Black Madonna from the Philippines called Our Lady of Que in Spanish, she is known as Nuestra Señora de Quesace. I was alerted to her presence mainly through Pentecasi, the blog, and then found quite a bit of information through various sources. But I must note the Pintacasi is the most complete source on all things Quezase and other beloved symbols of Christian faith in the Philippines. Our Lady of Quesese, Nuestra Señora de Quesese, is the statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary venerated at the Archdeacon shrine of Our Lady of Quesese in Tal Bantagas in the Philippines. The image which depicts the Immaculate Conception is believed to be one of the oldest in the country, having been found in 1603 by a man fishing in the Pansapit River. The wooden image, measuring about 272 millimeters or 10.7 inches tall, shows the Virgin as tilting slightly forward, her hands clasped across her breast, below her right shoulder. One eye is slightly bigger than the other. It was found wearing a simple red tunic gathered above her waist that billowed into huge folds around the ankles and clad in a green shawl. The history of Our Lady is interesting and in some ways unique and others, it follows many other Black Madonnas of the region. In the year 1603 in Quesese, which is a small barrio of the tall lake region of the Philippines, a fisherman called Juan Manangcad went out fishing. Juan threw his net into the nearby Pansipit River. When he drew in his net, the image that he found there was quite soggy to say the least, but she still cast a numinous glow causing Manancad to kneel and pray before the statue. He then brought it home for safekeeping. As one can imagine, news of the image began to spread until it reached the parish priest, Fray Juan Bautista Montoya, and, the, and he was also the vicar that represented the reigning king of Spain. They went to manoncad's house to verify the story, and upon seeing the image knelt down and venerated it. The precise origin of the image and how it got to the river is unknown. One theory was that the image was cast into the sea off Bantagas by the Spanish to pacify the waters during an exposition and then it somehow floated up river. Other opinions held that perhaps someone exploring the river had inadvertently dropped it, or that it came from China and belonged to the Chinese community who dropped it during an escape from ethnic cleansing in the region. During the age of exploration and Spanish imperialism, there was quite the connection between Spain, the Philippines, and China. Again, I refer my listeners to that so-so-must-read book, 1493, Uncovering the New World Columbus Created by Charles Mann, for a very detailed account of this relationship between these nations. The Philippines was essentially a staging point for trade between China and Spain with ports in North and South America as the Midway. As a result, there was a large Chinese community in the Philippines, which as one can imagine, did not always have a peaceful coexistence with the natives or the Spanish. In any case, the Chinese brought their customs and rituals with them, as did the Spanish. And our Lady of Quesese is an interesting melding of cultures building bridges between disparate demographics. Ma Cho or Ma Tzu is a Chinese deity who was originally human and was born in 960 AD during the Sung dynasty. She's known as the Chinese goddess of the sea and is considered to be a special protector or patron saint of fishermen, sailors, and seafarers. During her lifetime, it is said that Ma Cho had supernatural powers and performed miracles, subduing evil spirits and inverting disasters at sea. One theory on the origin of the image found by Mononkad was that she was thrown into the sea to calm a storm. And this is why China is thought to be the origin of Our Lady. There were numerous Marian apparitions documented by Spanish colonial church leaders after the discovery of Our Lady of Quesese, and they are considered to be the first in the country. Devotees today continue to attribute miracles to the Virgin. The report and documentation of the apparitions of 1611 through 1619 and 1639 are unique in Philippine church annuals as they are believed to be the first Marian apparitions in the Philippines. In those days the country was under the autonomous Mexican Vicariate. Father Cosmiro Diaz who reported the confirmation of the apparitions and miracles. One of the apparitions is of note mainly because it tells of how Our Lady received her name. Two girls named Maria Bagohin and Maria Talain were gathering firewood and saw the image reflected in the waters of a spring near where Juan Manancad had originally found Our Lady. They looked up and saw the image of the Lady of Quesese on top of a small sampaguita or jasmine bush. It is of note that jasmine, Sampoguita, is the official flower of the Philippines. Our lady had two lit candles on each side and was guarded by several Quesese birds, which are better known as silvery kingfishers. These birds are quite prolific in the region so much so that it was called quesasay by the Spaniards. Apparently, quesasay is the word for silvery kingfisher. The two girls reported what they saw to the parish priest, who concluded that it was the Virgin's wish to stay in quesasay. In the years preceding this miracle, the image had been in the care of Doña María Espíritu, She was the widow of the town's judge and had ordered many embellishments as well as a special small wooden shrine with glass windows to house the Madonna, which she kept in her home. Much to Mrs. Espiritu's surprise, every evening she would notice the Madonna was missing, only to be found in the shrine each morning. Mrs. Espiritu reported this to the local parish, parish priest who came to inspect the Madonna. He noticed that the image was missing from the small shrine, and upon this discovery, the glass doors of the small shrine opened up with the image before them both. The priest decided to gather several people to keep vigil next to the shrine throughout the night. These volunteers noted that the image opened up the doors of the shrine and floated out of the house. They also, the next morning, noted that the Madonna had returned inside the shrine. One can imagine the astonishment of this experience, so the volunteers reported back to the priest what they had witnessed. He instructed them to follow the image, with lit candles the next night to see where Our Lady was going. As you all can probably guess by now, she led them to the spot where Juan manencad had originally found her. Not being familiar with Black Madonnas and how often they disappear to places where they are discovered and where they want churches to be built for them, the priest took the image to the Basilica of St. Martin de Tours for safe keeping. In spite of the new location, the image continued to leave the church every evening until one day it disappeared and was nowhere to be found. Several years later, the girls had the apparition, and by this time, it was decided that the Madonna wished to be at KCC, and the rest, they say, is history. Apparently, she appeared and has been with us ever since that time. There are numerous apparition stories associated with Our Lady of Quesese, and one of the more poignant ones involved the natives in the year 1611. For this apparition, which the natives saw several times, Our Lady appeared mainly at night at a river where the women gathered water. The native women saw a very great light coming from a small opening in a large rock. As they got nearer, they could hear sweet and harmonious music. As the women approached closer, some saw a beautiful hand and arm jutting out of the opening in the rock. It held a lighted torch, which moved up and down, though it remained in its place in the opening. They watched this light for a long time while listening to the music. Some witnesses only saw a ray of light while others saw a great light above the rock and another saw a great flame. As one can imagine, this was truly a unique experience for the natives in 1611 and the news spread like wildfire about the situation. Many people, men, women, and children, decided to see for themselves, and they were not disappointed. These people saw a vision of the Virgin Mary, not much bigger than a human hand, dressed in white with a crown on her head, and in her arms was the infant Jesus, who also wore a crown. More than 30 people declared they saw visions of the lady at Caesaceae. The story continued to spread and many people flocked to the area seeing both confirmation of the apparition as well as experiencing many miracles. Healing powers were attributed to the waters from the spring in the coming years. There is a well with the coral relief of the Virgin over it and now one can still visit this to this day. One of the most significant miracles associated with Our Lady of Quesese involves the Tall Volcano, and that's spelled T-A-L-L. The Tall Volcano is a large cauldron-like hollow left over from previous massive eruptions. It has been filled by the Tall Lake in the Philippines. It's located in the province of Batangas, and the the volcano is the second most active volcanoes in the country, with 38 recorded historical eruptions, all of which were concentrated on Volcano Island, which is the vestige of the original explosion near the middle of the tall lake. Tall Volcano has had several violent eruptions in the past, causing deaths on the island and the populated areas surrounding the lake. All of the volcanoes in the Philippines are part of the Ring of Fire, which surrounds the entire Pacific Ocean. One of the most violent eruptions of the tall volcano occurred in 1754. This event lasted for more than eight months. The lava flowing and ejecting from the volcano devastated the towns around the lake, covering them with layers of ash and deposits. Think of Pompeii and you get the picture. The townspeople of several villages in the region of Tall, together with their parish priest, sought refuge at the church of Our Lady of Caesaceae. Layers of lava and ash blocked the entrance of the Pansipit River, which caused flooding of the region and submerging of many towns and villages. The location of the church which housed Our Lady of Kaysese was untouched. A new town of Tall was created in the area because those who had fled for safety thought it was the Virgin who had kept them from harm and wanted to keep safe in the years to come. I guess if you're going to live around an active volcano, your idea of insurance policies takes on new meaning. On December 8, 1954, 200 years after the Great Tall Eruption, the image of Our Lady of Quesese was canonically crowned at the Basilica of San Martin de Tours in Tall, Bontegas, by the spanish Cardinal Fernando Chiroga, representing Pope Pius XII. Our Lady of Caesace is quite popular, so much so that several towns and parishes wish to have her in their midst, and you can understand living around an active volcano why they would like this to happen. There was quite a kerfuffle involving the churches, town councils, cardinal and pope of the day, making various decrees and such as to where the image should be housed and whether or not she should travel between locations. A compromise was reached and the practice of shuttling the image between two traditional sites was instituted. Presently, the image stays at the La Bac Sanctuary from Thursday through Saturday, and the Basilica of St. Martin de Tours from Sunday to Wednesday. I find it so fascinating that most of the Madonnas in the Philippines travel quite a bit between various churches and shrines, and also for yearly festivals. There is a shrine for Our Lady of Quesese, which is constructed out of decorative coral, It was built in 1639 by Father Alonso Rodriguez to replace a temporary structure built in 1611. For me, there are so many threads in this story that ring similar to many Black Madonnas across the globe. The association with water, rocks, the appearance to natives, and protection from natural disasters. I'm also touched by the connection with the Chinese culture. As I mentioned before, the location of the Philippines was a staging point for trade between Spain, the Americas, and China. The Chinese community was not always treated well, and numerous tragedies have occurred throughout the years. There were several uprisings and massacres in this community. So the Virgin has appeared to help heal those wounds and create a bridge between communities. As you, as you have heard me say earlier in the podcast, there seems to be a connection between Ma Cho, the Chinese goddess and saint of the oceans, and Our Lady of Kaisisei. A wonderful event happens every year to commemorate this endeavor. Devotees gather the last week of every September, for a pilgrimage wherein the image of Ma Cho goes from her shrine to Tall Bontagas, and a special mass is celebrated in the Shrine of Our Lady of Quesese. The image of Ma Cho then returns the following day to her shrine in La Union. I'm sure I'm not alone in hoping that peace, harmony and collaboration can happen between different communities throughout the world. For me, it is heartening that this Black Madonna of the Philippines can be an inspiration for so many in our fractured world. There are numerous incredible stories associated with this Black Madonna, as well as with faith and traditions in the Philippines. I hope to visit someday and witness the numerous pilgrimages and festivals for myself. Thanks again to my listeners for sharing your time with me. Another thanks to my Patreon supporters, and make sure to tune in next time when we will hear from James Malabanan, whose blog, Pintakasi, is a wonderful resource for all things pious in the Philippines. This is Stephanie Georgiev. Until next time, blessings on your journey.